welcome to our verse-by-verse -verse journey through Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew serves as a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In this Gospel, Matthew seeks to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. For those of us who aren't Jews, Matthew helps us to see our Savior King more clearly and through his gospel, learn to live well in his, in Christ's kingdom today. So grab a cup of coffee, open your Bible to the gospel of Matthew, and let's learn about our Savior King and his kingdom. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 13, continue our study through the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 13, we have the accounting of, or the record of eight of Jesus' parables. Last week we looked at one. This morning we're going to look at three more. Before we do that, we're going we're to have a word of prayer and then we'll get into it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come thanking you for this morning, for this, this time where we gather together as your people. We've taken a time to prepare our hearts through worship and we pray now, as, um, as we'll hear, even in this text, Lord, that, uh, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, ears to hear your truth, eyes to see how you would have us apply that truth to our lives, that, Lord God, that we would know you better through this experience. And, Lord, as we come, we come with all of our baggage, all of our issues, all of our cares, all of our, our, our um, illnesses and and different issues that go on in our life, relationships and finances. And Lord, the, the, the fear that news like what's going on in Israel and, and other things like that, and, and the news we hear about the economy and you know, new rules and laws and regulations, all of those things, Lord, can, can get us into a state of confusion and chaos and and Lord, we just, we just sometimes just don't know where to turn and what to do. And so, Lord, we take this time to just pause and allow your spirit to minister to us. Because I believe as we grow in our understanding and knowledge view, then all those cares, all of those concerns, all of those issues, they start to fall into their appropriate places in our lives. And we can manage them, we can walk through them, we can understand them, that we can grow through those things. And I thank you, Lord God, for those who are experiencing good in this life. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, you would magnify it, Lord, multiply it, Lord, that they might, be, they might enjoy more. And, uh, of course, Lord, that we would, we would be blessed if they would share it because that's what you give it to us for. Lord God, we're thankful for all that you are and do. And we know, Lord God, that you're in this place right now. And we're asking your blessing on this time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to look at three parables. Um, last week, we looked at the parable of the soils, the one that Jesus explained to us. We're going to look at another one that Jesus will explain to us, but two of them he's not going to explain. And um, even though they're recorded in the other Gospels, no explanation is given there either. And so, we're going to do our best to interpret them, but, but um, always... Um, 
it, with all of these, all of the Word of God, we do our best to interpret it based on the information that we have. So let's look at the first one. We're in Matthew 13, starting in verse 24, and it says this, Another parable we put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, what's going on here? Again, most of us are not farmers, and so we may not really understand what's going on here. But as we, we really look at what, the, what, was, what was being described, we recognize this was a terrible thing to do. This is a wicked act by this enemy because it would ruin the whole field. But it, would, it was done in such a way that you wouldn't know the field was ruined until months later. And so it was a terrible, terrible, wicked thing to do. In fact, in Roman law, you, could, you can get in some serious trouble for doing these kinds of things. So it was a big deal. Um, and the weed or the tear that he's describing here is a weed, possibly the Darnell plant. I think we have, there you go, there's an image of it. And it's very, it looks very similar to wheat. In fact, you wouldn't actually know that it wasn't wheat until it was almost mature. And so that was, the, that was one, of the, one of the realities of why this was such a terrible thing to do. You, your, your, your field be filled with these weeds. And one of, the, one of the issues with this particular weed is that if you actually consume the seeds of it, which are different, than, they're different looking than the wheat seeds um, or kernels, are the kernels or seeds? I don't know. Anyways, yes. Uh, they're, they're, the Darnell seed is bitter and can make you sick. And so uh, if, if it was mixed in with wheat and wasn't taken out, then, then you, would, you could eat the thinking you're eating wheat and get sick. I also read somewhere, that just think, because we have chickens. If chickens eat it, it makes them dizzy and act crazy. Like, like chickens need any help with that at all. There will be no Darnell in our neighborhood. Whew. But the problem is only at the later state do you actually know that this weed is in the field. And once, you, once it's at a point where you can identify it as, as a tear, as, as this Darnell plant, its roots would be entangled with the roots of the wheat. That's a problem. And this is, it's at this point that the farmer's servants um, discover the problem. Verse 27. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. And that was the danger. Again, by the time you can tell the difference, okay, you can tell, start to see the difference between the wheat and the tare. They're, they're so entangled by pulling the one, you're pulling the other, and you're damaging the wheat. And obviously, they don't want to do that. So verse 30, moving on. Let, a, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. So the tares had to be left until the harvest. 
And so, and so again, if, we, if you know anything about farming or anything like that, any other plant in your, in your field or in your garden is taking nutrients and taking everything, taking from your plant. And so it was always an expense. It was always a cost t- attached to it. It was always worse having tares than not having tares. And so it was not a, it was not a, a favorable thing. So we're, he's gonna, Jesus is going to explain this parable a little bit later, so I'll, I'll leave the explanation down for that. But let's move on to the next parable, and then we'll get to, we'll get to the explanation. Uh, verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, and which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown... It is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. This is a, a pretty familiar parable. And it was actually a parable that was, was spoken um, just in general. It was used very generally speaking in, in that culture at that time. And Jesus now applies it to the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't explain it. He doesn't give any explanation, any explanation, anything other than what he gives right here. Um, again, it's also recorded in Mark and Luke, and they don't give an expla- explanation of, I, of it either. The mustard uh, plant in Israel is not like the one we have around here. It's different. Um, and when this mustard plant grows, it can grow quite large. And it can grow seven, eight feet. Some suggest even 12 feet. Some suggest that even big enough for a man to climb into it. So a pretty good pretty good tree. Not giant, but it's big enough, big enough, big enough for birds to come in and, and find shelter. The, it was, the seeds were very popular to the little finch-like birds that were all over the place out there. So that was a very, a very popular plant for those animals. Um, it also provided enough shelter for the birds to come and make nests and to raise their young and to do that sort of a thing. So one interpretation of this parable, and the one that I like, the one I'm going to say, um, is that this, the mustard seed is referring to the church. The church started off very small, tiny, and that, but has spread throughout the whole world, and it's become quite large, and it is a place of rest. It is a place of safety. It is a place of comfort. It is a place of nurturing for all of those who seek shelter under it. The next parable, it's one whole verse long. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Leaven is used, or or yeast is another word that we could use here. Leaven is used to improve the taste of bread. If you've ever had unleavened bread, you know, it's not not tasty usually. You know, it's harder, uh, it's denser, um, and sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not all that great. But as leaven, what leaven does when it gets into the dough is it, it ferments and it, and it adds, it adds um, bubbles. It creates bubbles in the bread. You know, if David here, he could explain this better than I could. He does bread all the time. It, it, it adds bubbles into it, but it makes the bread um, softer. It makes the bread um, you know, more tasty. Um, it adds to the flavor of it. So one of the realities when we, when we start talking about leaven and yeast, leaven and, and yeast, we, for, if you've studied the Bible, read the Bible, your first inclination is, wait a minute, 
Leaven is evil. It's, it's about, leaven refers to, it's a symbol of sin. And, and yes, it is, but not always. And so it's one of those things that sometimes it's used other ways. Matter of fact, in Leviticus 23, 17, it says this. This is speaking to the Levitical priests. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two tenths of an, of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits uh, to the Lord. So they were to bring this leavened bread to the Lord. And, and so the symbol there, obviously the leaven can be used to symbolize sin, but it's not always a symbol of sin. So context will tell us what, which way to apply it. So we don't want to get too much into that. If you have any questions on that, ask Kelly. She has the answers. So an interpretation of this parable is that the gospel... The gospel message acts like leaven in the heart of a person or in the world. It takes dry, unappealing, untasty people and turns them into saints. It adds texture. It adds flavor to them. And the, the symbol here, the parable here, says the yeast is hidden in the flower. The same thing is true of the gospel. The gospel is hidden within the heart of someone. You can't see it. You can't look at someone and say, ooh, that person has the gospel. That person has the gospel. But what you see are the effects of the gospel. The rising, you know, when the dough rises. Why does the dough rise? Because there's yeast in there and it's fermenting. The same thing is true of us. When the gospel is in us, it starts to change us and starts to make us different than the world around us. You can see that, but you can't actually point to what it is. You know, if, you, if, if you're spiritual, then you're going to know what it is. But for those around the world, they can't. But they will enjoy it. Well, some will, some won't. That's a whole other message. Matthew then reminds us that the parables were Jesus' primary method of teaching. Verse 34, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so one of the things regularly, and one of the things that... that re, that we ought to never just overlook or, or ignore is how frequently the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. What does that say to us? That we need them both, right? There are churches that don't talk about the Old Testament. I don't get it. That's their thing. You do your thing. You know, you, you're going to answer to God. I'll do my thing, and I'll answer to God. Amen. As we discussed last week, and we're not going to get too deep into it today, the parables serve two purposes, to conceal and to reveal. A parable conceals the truth from those who will not believe. If someone's not going to believe, they will not see the truth in the parable. 
they reveal the truth to those who will believe. If someone will believe, the, tr- the parables reveal the truth. And I, I went into great length about that last week, so you can watch that message if you want to get more of that. But that's the main idea, that there is, there is a truth to be gleaned out of every single parable. There is something that can be seen, some discovery of who God is and what he's about, and we can see it if you will believe. If you're not going to believe, it's just an interesting illustration or story. And... and And that's all it's going to be for you. Well, as was common, Jesus' disciples were not clear about what Jesus was talking about, right? Anybody besides me ever read something in the Scriptures and say, "Uh, what? What do you mean by that? What does that mean? Okay, thank you. I got a couple. Thank you. Okay. Like, maybe nobody's actually as dumb as me. (laughs) Like, okay, you're not dumb. That's not what I'm saying. They didn't get it all the time. They they have Jesus, God in the flesh, teaching them things. And and they're thinking like, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Verse 36, that's what they said. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Now, Jesus had already told them that they were able to understand. That's important, that, that God, through the work of the Holy Spirit in them, made them able to understand. Doesn't mean that they were, were always going to understand everything that they saw and read. In Matthew 13, 10, he said, just, just last week, and disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And to them, it has not been given. I spoke last week. What a privilege it is that we have. We have the privilege of knowing the mysteries of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, things that are only revealed through God, only discovered because God reveals them. But he doesn't reveal them to everybody. He only reveals to them to those who will believe. If someone's not going to believe, they won't do them any good to understand these mysteries. But the disciples didn't always understand. And so it shouldn't surprise us when we come to something, we don't understand it. It shouldn't surprise us. Then we come to something and like, okay, I don't get that. And so what did they do? They said, Jesus, we don't understand. That's a good word for us too. When you don't understand something, you need to ask God to help you to understand Ask for clarity, ask for understanding, ask for explanation. Now, if, if he doesn't answer you directly, what can you do? Well, you can read your Bible. That's, a good, that's not a bad place. What else can you do? Ask somebody. You know what? You know what God did because he loves you so much? He put the Spirit of God in the person next to you. Do you know why? So that they can speak to you about the things of God. Things of God that maybe you can't discover yourself, but maybe they can. I had the, I had the, uh, the great privilege. I always loved the opportunity to do this. Uh, one, of the, one of the men of the church um, asked me to, to meet with him this week, and we had lunch, and he had a question. He had an issue he was dealing with, and, and he, was looking for, he was looking for wisdom. I said, well, I don't know if I got any of that, but I can certainly make time for lunch. 
that I knew, I knew what was going to, I knew what was going to happen. I, I knew that I probably didn't have the wisdom that he needed, but I knew God did. I knew God loved him. God loves me. And if he puts the two of us together, you know what? Wisdom might come out of that. And it did. And it was very cool. Not only that, but as we continue to talk, other things popped in. Boop, 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 boop. You know, all over that. We're having this great spiritual conversation about life. It was radical. Love doing that. I'm always available on Thursday afternoons. No, just kidding. Kidding. I am available. Seeking, you know, because the disciples asked for understanding, he gave it to them. And I believe if we're, if we're people of faith and we ask for understanding, God's going to give it to us. If we just ask, we just seek, he will help us to understand. Verse 37. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's another name for the Messiah. That's another name for Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the son, sons of the wicked ones. This is, this is probably a hard thing for a lot of people to understand. What Jesus is saying here is that good and evil will always be present in the professing church. There will always be people that are God's people and the enemy's people in God's church, right by each other. Sitting right next to each other are people who are the sons or daughters of the kingdom, right next to sons and daughters of the wicked one. That's a hard, hard thing. Not in this church, because we weed them all out. <laughs> kidding, kidding. No, we don't. There's a reason why you don't, and we're going to talk about that. No matter how diligent you might try to be, you know, check everybody's, you know, credentials as they walk in, you know, you're, you, 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 can't, you can't tell. Just like, just like the Darnell, you can't tell until it comes close to the time of the harvest which one is which. The same thing is true. You can have people sitting next to you. They look just like a Christian. Everything they do, everything they say is just like a Christian. But in fact, they aren't because they've never humbled themselves. They've never repented of their sins. Not truly. They may have said the words, but they've never actually done it in their heart. Not only might, might they be in the church, they might be in ministry somewhere. I mean, there's churches all around us. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying we're immune to it either. We can't tell. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't tell which one is which. We do, we do some, you know, we do a little work to try to verify those things. Jesus had a tear in the 12. He had 12 guys walked with him for three years. One of them was a, was a weed. Judas Iscariot, he was a betrayer. You know when he was a betrayer? When Jesus picked him. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what he was. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus sowed good seeds or sons 
of the kingdom into the world. When, when he sent the 11 plus whoever else would follow him out into the world, those were the good seeds. They were going out there. They were sharing the gospel, spreading the, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Every believer today or since is a son or daughter of the kingdom. You are among the good seed. But you know what? We've got an enemy. God has an enemy. Satan hates God and hates the things of God, hates the, those like ourselves who are, the, the, are made in the image of God especially if we are not just made in the image of God, but we are also sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. He hates that. So what does he do? One of the things he does is he plants a tear right next to them. Not next, not next to every single one of them. We might, we might actually be blessed. There may not, may not be a single tear in this room right now. They're all online watching. No kidding. Love you guys. <laughs> If you, weren't a, if you weren't a terror, you'd be here right now. Kidding, kidding, kidding. I'm blessed if you're watching. I know there are a number of people watching. I'm blessed by that. Is Laura watching? I'm talking to you, Laura. No, kidding, kidding. She can't make it. She broke her back for crying out loud. You get a break for two more weeks. God has an enemy. And he's planting. He has planted sons of the wicked one, sons and daughters of the wicked one next to, his, next to his wheat. But a day is coming when Jesus is gonna make that all right. Verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. The angels, not you. Not you. The angels. The harvest day is a, a day of reckoning where God's going to sort it all out. He'll pull up the weeds, he'll pull up the tares, and he will separate them to the fire, but he's going to collect the wheat into his barn. The end of the age, when is that going to happen? The end of the age, the second coming. That's when it's going to happen. Well, what do we do today? Well, let's, let's read about that. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will be at the end of this age. Jesus tells us here to leave the pulling of the tares to the angels in the end of the age. We've got to be so careful. If we're too aggressive at sorting out and identifying and pulling out the tares, what might we also do? Pull out the wheat with it. And I can understand that. I can see that. If we're, if we're super critical of people and analyzing and doing all this stuff, that it is going to be very damaging to the, the health of the body. And... It is always too soon to write someone off as a tear forever. Augustine, one of, the, one of the early, early commentators on the Bible said this, those who are weeds today may be wheat tomorrow. You never know. 
Someone sitting in the church, maybe sitting in the church for decades, but they're not really, they're not really wheat. They look like wheat, they act like wheat, they give like wheat, they serve like wheat. I'm just thinking of, never mind. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> but they're not, they're tares. And here's, here's where that gets hard. Because I believe there are people sitting in churches today. They're showing up. They're doing the Christian thing. And, and, and I don't believe that every terror is some evil, wicked, horrible thing, person. But they have a fate that's coming to them that, that is terrible. Verse 41. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping, or excuse me, wailing and gnashing of teeth. So in the end of the age, Jesus is going to come and he's going to sort out the wheat from the tares. And he knows perfectly well which one it is. We can't, we can't figure that out here. Matter of fact, I'm guessing that many tares don't even know they're tares. They're just, they're just whatever, whatever reason why they haven't crossed over, they haven't transitioned, they haven't actually become true believers in Jesus Christ, whatever reasons, whatever's holding them back, whatever is standing in the way, whether it be ignorance or willful disobedience, whatever it might be, whatever the issue is, Jesus knows them. We don't. That's why we can't go pulling weeds. We can't go pulling tares. We don't know. It might just be, it, you know, you might look at them as a tear, but they just might be a, a weak wheat. You know, their, their faith is not strong. You know, maybe they act like a tear, but in fact, they're one of God's kids. We can't tell sometimes. Now, there are some people that are just messed up, okay? We can deal with them. We gotta be so careful. Jesus being very clear here about what's going to happen. The consequence for not being one of his people, for not being a son or daughter of the kingdom is suffering eternal. In a furnace of fire. Now, 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 I'm guessing most of you have never experienced a, you know, a really serious burn. I'm hoping you never have a really bad burn, third-degree type burn. There are few things like it. You know, those, those who have, have been in a place where they're being burned alive, their only hope is death. These people won't have that hope. They'll be burned alive forever. That is unimaginable to us. It should be. It should, it should fill us with disgust and, and fear and just, just bother us that it, that it could happen, especially to somebody we know and love. And it should move us to do something about it. There is no hope in that fire. Mark 9.43 says this, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. There are some who like to say, oh, hell is not real. 
Okay, if hell's not real, then neither is heaven because Jesus talked about both of them. And if hell is real, and if it's, if it's the way that Jesus described it, if it's the way the Bible describes it, nobody, nobody, nobody should go there. And the only people that will are those who will refuse to believe. They have the opportunity. They're given the opportunity. They're given the choice. They're given the ability to believe, but they refuse. This is one of the reasons why we teach through the Bible. We teach through the Bible because we come to things sometimes that are hard, and we need to hear it. We come to things that are easy. We like some of the easy ones. Now, I, like, I like that the gospel is like leaven, that it gets inside of me, and it, and it kind of it grows in me and, and causes me to be bigger spiritual. I love those kinds of things. It changes me from the inside. Ultimately, I'm not doing it. The, the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, is doing it. I love those kinds of things. But we also got to talk about the hard things. We got to talk about those things that are easy. We got to talk about the encouraging, but we got to talk about those things that are challenging as well. So that's why we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We get to every single thing that God told his people about. Listen, only God knows the state of the heart of every person who listens to a message like this or watches a message like this. We teach as though there are both wheat and tares watching and listening. We don't know. We don't know if you're all wheat. We don't know if you're all tares. Hopefully you're not all tares. At least one isn't. No. But we've got to teach as if they're both there. I recently listened to a sermon by a guy. I'm not going to mention his name. I, I mean, he was teaching to, I don't know who he was teaching to. It was not good. We want those who are not God's people to know. You need to know the truth. You need to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you. He created you so that he could love you. But you also have to know you can't hide among the wheat. You can, you can hide among the wheat to the wheat, but you can't hide from God. He knows. He knows everyone. And you can't hope to escape the judgment that's coming. So our desire is that they would stop being a terror. And you do that by being transformed from a tear into wheat through the gospel message and the power of the Holy Spirit transforming your life. It's a miracle. Every single time it happens, it's a miracle. That's pretty hard. Jesus concludes this text with a, an encouragement for his people. Verse 43, then the righteous, this is again at the end of the age, the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The truth out of this parable for us is that the righteous will have to tolerate evil until Jesus comes back. We can look around the world, there's a lot of it. And what Jesus is saying in this is that, that there's some of it might even be in the church. 
Now, as a pastor, I'm going to do everything I can to keep the evil out of this church. But I'm going to do it in the confines of what the Word of God says. If somebody wants to be evil and wicked, I'm going to encourage them to go somewhere else to do it. But you know what? If you're just a if you're just another person that wants to love Jesus, then come. If you're not sure who you are, you're not sure what you believe, come. If you maybe maybe a little weak in your faith, come. If you're a little, you know, maybe you stumble in different things, different sins, different things, come. We're all here together. We're all going through this process together. We're not going to be looking for tares. It's not our job. We're looking for Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Jesus is saying that one of the things that, that we have to look forward to is this idea of, of shining as the sun. You know, now the church is a little dim in the world. Our light is not that bright. But if you take all the darkness out, what's left? The glory of God shining through his church. And we look forward to that. Not only that, but we look forward to the hope of heaven. David and the worship team are going to come up and lead us in one last song. And before they do that, I'm going to pray. And we hear a message like this, we probably ought to search our souls pretty, pretty intensely. We're going to ask ourselves, am I a weed or am I a tear? Can I, can I tell? Can I, do I know that I have the Holy Spirit in me? Do I know that I have the hope of heaven? Do I know that if I were to die today that I would go to heaven? Do I know that? And I should be able to if I have faith, if I believe. Do you know that you're a son or daughter of the kingdom? Or are you a son or daughter of the wicked one? If you're not sure... If you're not sure if you're headed to heaven or headed to the fire that is never quenched, then you can be certain of that today. And it's very simple. You believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross, for your sins. You repent of those sins and you receive Christ as your Savior. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus, you are saved. And then you join us as we all rejoice in the hope we have of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to this time and this place thanking you for your grace and mercy. And we thank you, Lord God, for your teachings. And sometimes they're, they're, they're not always so clear to us. Sometimes you explain them to us and it makes it very clear for us. And as this one, this idea that the wheat and the tares together um, is, is a little hard for us to accept. So we like the idea of the, of the church being filled only with people who believe, only people who are headed to heaven, only people who are, are your people. But you say very clearly here, that's not always going to be the case. And Lord, for me personally, I, I welcome the tares. I pray, Lord, that, that you would send the tares here that they would find a place of comfort. They would find a place of rest. They would find a place where they can come to know their Savior. 
that they can realize that there is a truth that they need to believe. And by believing that truth, they can be saved. And so, Lord, we welcome them here. And, Lord, we are not going to be busy about searching for tares. We're not going to be busy about searching for people who may or may not be true believers. We're going to trust you to reveal to us what we need to know. You're going to reveal to us what we need to say. You're going to reveal to us how we need to love. And you're going to reveal to us, Lord, who we need to lead into your presence. Well, Lord, if there's someone here who has never received Christ our Lord and Savior, if they've never, they've never given you room, God, to come in and to help them to be one of your people, that they would do that right this very moment. Lord, whatever it is that, they've, that they have been or are doing or any such thing, Lord, they can lay all that down right now. Your word tells us to repent and to believe, and we are saved. So, Lord, I pray if there's someone here, maybe someone who's been acting like a believer but isn't, maybe someone who's never confessed Christ, maybe somebody watching online that falls into one of those categories, that they would open their heart right now to believe and to receive Jesus as their Savior. It's very simple. Pray a simple prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, I know that my sin is wrong. I know that I've lived a life the way I want to and not the way you want me to. And I confess that to you right now. I believe you died for my sins. Please forgive me of that. Come into my life and help me to live a life that is good and true and right. Lord, for all of us, Lord, help us to, to be healthy wheat, growing in our faith that others might see us and see the truth of who you are. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we praise you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we learn more about our Savior King and his kingdom in the Gospel of Matthew. It is our hope that these messages will help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or there is anything we can do to help you with that, please do not hesitate to connect with us. Go to calvaryfv.com connect to find all the ways that you can connect with us. As Christians, we are all connected in Christ. One of the ways we would like to engage with you is in the area of prayer. Please let us know how we can be praying for you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word PRAY to 951-419-5396. If this material has been useful to you, please share it with someone. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfv.com give or text the word GIVE to 951-419-5396. Nine, six. Until next time, go be radical with Jesus.